the story that we're going to look at to set up this message, I believe that some of the people that are involved in the story would probably be like some of us and question, what's God doing? Um, the story that we're going to read in the Bible this morning, um, I believe that there's probably some people who were saying, God, if you're perfect, God, if, you're, if your love is so powerful, um, I'm afraid right now, and I need you to prove yourself. Anybody ever needed God to prove himself to them? Like you found yourself in a situation, and you're like, God, if you, now if you're really who you say you are, I need you to show up. Anybody ever had to ask God to do that? And so I believe that these people that we find in the book of Exodus, they, they found themselves in the wilderness situation, and they said, God, we need you to show up. Because when we look at our circumstances, they don't match up with what we found to be true about you thus far. So let's go to Exodus chapter number 13. Exodus chapter number 13. Exodus chapter 13, verse number 17. Um, I want you to jot notes. I want you guys to take notes this morning, um, if you can. Grab your phone or whatever and take notes because I believe that, and, and I was going to spend a lot of time on each one of these, but I want to try to hurry up and get to the blue, the blue slice of the pie because I believe that oftentimes it's when we're in the, 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 the latter part, after we get past the, the, the yellow and get to the orange of being afraid and then angry and then anxious and then sad. I think that's really when we need, to, when we need God the most, right? Like, like, like when we're happy and everything is going well, oftentimes we're like, yo, we're good. Like we can put our Christianity on autopilot and, and we can just be the, the best Christian there is. But then when things start to shift and things start to shake up, we began to have to spend more time with God saying, hold up now. This ain't what I, I signed up for. And so I want to try to hurry through this. But the people that we're going to read about in these two verses, I believe that at some point they experienced all of those things. And I, my prayer is that no matter where you find yourself on that particular chart, that, that you'll be able to hear something today that will prepare you if you have to go into one of those other places. Because, because believe it or not, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're going to always stay in the green. Yeah, I, I'm going to say it again. Somebody said you can say that. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're going to stay in the green. Because the thing about God is this. He's such a big God that he's concerned about you, but he's also concerned about the person sitting next to you. And sometimes there's some things that's inside of you that you don't even know are there that God will pull out of you to help the person sitting next to you. And you didn't realize that you had to go through something because God was trying to do something through something for somebody else. All right. Yeah. So let's go to Exodus chapter number 13, verse number 17. It says this. It says, when Pharaoh finally, when somebody say finally, shout it real loud, finally. So when Pharaoh finally let the people go, um, God did not lead them along the main road, which runs through the Philistine territory, uh, even though it was the shortest route to the promised land. I thought God was loving. Hold up. I thought it was a good, good father. So if he was a good, good father, why not just take him the shortest route? I'm glad you asked. God said, if the people are faced with battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites, they left Egypt like an army ready for battle. And so from these two verses, as I said earlier, I want to talk about, talk from the subject of the thought, he's got you, all right? 
So, so, so no matter where you are in your life right now, know that God's got you. I, I, I did a wellness check on some of our members this morning, just kind of asking, man, how are you doing? And some of them were up and some of them were down. I said, well, you know what? This is a great message for both of you. Because no matter where you are, you have to always remember that God's got you. So when we were looking at this particular scripture, you would think that God being who he is, he would say, well, let me take them the shortest route. Let me take them the easy way. Because if, if I'm trying to get them to a promise that I've made to them, it seems like I'll hurry up and get them there so they can enjoy it. But the thing that I learned about God is this. God didn't simply make us, but he made us complex individuals. And, and the things that you see on that pie chart are what we are commonly referred to as um, different emotions. Could you imagine if God would have took them straight to the promised land and they experienced no sadness? Think about your life. Think about your life. Can you imagine what your life would be like if you haven't if you hadn't experienced sadness earlier before you faced some of your greatest trials? I, I told you I want you guys to take notes because I, I believe it's going to help you. Imagine if, if 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 you never experienced sadness and then your parent passed away. Uh, imagine if you've never been angry and your boss fired you for no reason. Imagine if you went through all these situations and you didn't have a prerequisite to prepare you for the things to come, your life probably would have been a mess. So the thing I love about God is this. He's such a loving God. He allowed us to develop all of our emotions because an emotionally healthy individual is an actual healthy person. A lot of people think that uh, because I'm physically fit, if I'm physically in shape, then I'm healthy. But I would challenge them to say that if you're emotionally a wreck, it doesn't matter what your physique looks like. If, if, if you can't control your emotions, if you can't control your anger, if you can't control your sadness, if you can't control your loneliness, it doesn't matter how physically fit you are. Those emotions have a way of weighing you down. Can you imagine this, this, this group of people? Here they are. They finally heard that God is going to take them to the promised land. And they're going, and as they're going, now they got to figure out what they're going to eat. Now they got to figure out how they're going to do life. But through this way, God begins to show himself to them as a good, good father. I was talking to my kids last night, and we were, we were just having some father time. And I said, I believe this as a parent. I believe that as a parent, the way that you should parent is like this, and this is by no means the way that you have to do it, but this is the way I've done it. It has worked for me, Scott. I believe this, that when it comes to you as an individual, 70% of your time should be dedicated to making sure that your children are healthy. 25% of your time should be dedicated to making sure you're healthy. And watch this. As your kids begin to get older, it'll begin to seesaw. You'll begin to have more time to do what you want to do because you've raised some healthy, responsible kids that are able to take on this world, and they're not afraid if they get fired. Okay, some of y'all missed what I talked about earlier. You, you, you raise some healthy kids that when sadness comes, it doesn't bother them because you've raised them in such a way that they know that God still got them. So if they have to go through a storm, they'll just go through the storm because they know that God has never left them, nor has he forsaken. But he promised them that he'll be with them always, even until the end. And that's the reason why I believe that some of the time, sometimes that the kids that we see in society, they didn't have the opportunity to have their emotions cultivated and developed. And so now they're responding in situations 
that they're not prepared for. The children of Israel, they, they were going through this wilderness, and, and can you imagine they were hungry one morning, uh, and, and what happened, um, I, I believe that they, as they were hungry and they were walking, they, they, they looked out and they saw fresh manna that morning. And I believe they got a little excited. I, I believe they were happy because they had a need and they realized that God had met their need. They began to eat. And as they began to eat, they woke up the next morning and there was fresh manna that morning as well. And so it began to feed their ability to understand how to be happy. Have you ever met somebody that's always sad? You, there, there are actually some people in the world that no matter what you try to do for them, they always find a way to be sad. They, they always have a, a, a way of trying to, to ruin the party. You, you, you compliment them on their outfit. They say, well, I still need to lose 10 pounds. I just said your dress looked nice. Well, I didn't say anything about your weight. But they, they, they can't receive certain compliments, and I believe that it's triggered or it's connected to something that's further back, and when they're able to deal with those situations, they'll be able to move forward and live a life that's really healthy and productive. I was talking to somebody the other day, and it was, it was a young lady. She had called me for advice, and I was, I was counseling her, and she said, uh, Pastor D, why is it that every time a relationship that I'm in begins to get uh, serious, it, 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 it's almost like I self-sabotage it because I'm afraid that this person is going to walk out on me. And so before they have a chance to walk out on me, I want to mess it up myself so I can stay in control. And so I began to think back, and I was talking to them, and I said, well, tell me a little bit about your upbringing. And they said, well, my, my, my parents, they, um, they were together for X number of years, but then um, they got a divorce, and my dad left, and you know, we struggled a little bit, and uh, my mom tried to remarry, but that relationship wasn't healthy. And, and, and so now I, I, I just got this perspective on life. And it's all because of their emotions being discombobulated at an early age. And so the people, the children of Israel, as they woke up that morning, the manna was there, they, they were able to eat. And as they began to eat, they, they, they heard a commandment that says, don't store anything up because tomorrow there's going to be fresh manna. And the scripture even goes on to say that sometimes they would try to save it. And when they woke up in the morning, it was spoiled because of their disobedience. Can you imagine that at that moment, they, they, they probably were angry. Some of them were probably angry because, as I talked a couple of weeks ago, they didn't believe the promises of God yet. So they began to try to do things on their own to feel like they had to make situations work. And they didn't realize, like Chris and Ebony were singing, they didn't realize that God was a good, good father. So they felt like they had to do some things on their own. Anybody ever tried to do something on their own? You, you, you've been waiting on God to show up. You, you've been waiting on God to do something, and it seemed like God wasn't moving fast enough yet. So, so you decided you was going to get your spiritual tackle box and, and jump in the situation and try to put it back together. How did that work out for you? It usually ends up in a mess, just like the spoils that they had that morning when they woke up and their manna was gone. And it was because they didn't trust God enough in the process. They, they, they didn't trust that God was going to take care of them. They, they didn't trust that God had them. And so this morning, I, I'm trying to caution you guys and, and convey a message that no matter where you are, don't mess up your next blessing by not trusting God. See, I told you to take notes. This is a lot of good stuff. Don't mess up your blessing 
by not trusting God. It can be in the middle of your worst situation that you receive your best blessing, and it's simply because you trust him at your lowest. Here they were, walking through the wilderness, trying to figure this thing out, saying, God, if you are who you say you are, I, I, I need you to show up for me because right now uh, the manna's gone, and I tried to keep a little extra, and the stuff that I'm keeping, it, it has worms in it this morning, and, and, and now how can you really be the God that you say you are? And so I was looking at this angry thing, and I was thinking about the scripture. It says, for his anger lasts only a moment. And, and so I, I felt being, like being a kid, so that's why everything looks pastel and crayonish. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, it says, for his anger lasts only a minute or a moment, but his favor, it lasts a lifetime. And one of my favorite scriptures throughout the entire Bible is the next verse that says, weeping may stay for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. I, I remember the first time I, I was on television for preaching. I, I was a young kid. I was probably about early 20s, 20 years old, and, and I preached this message. I had no idea they were going to televise it, but it was a message that I, I, I talked about when Peter was walking on the water. Anybody know that story? The Bible says that it was in the third watch of the night that, that Jesus was walking. And so as I began to uh, pull back my, my Liberty Seminary uh, study, and I, I found out that the third watch of the night was actually when the world was its darkest. Because if you look at the time back then, it wasn't a clock like we know it. And so they had these watches. That's what they called it. Not like a physical watch, but, you know, watch. And, and, and so the third watch of the night was right before the sun got ready to come. And Scott, I was, I was meditating on that because in order for the sun to come up, the earth has to reach its darkest. Thank you, Jackie. We're, we're waiting on the morning, but we don't want to go through the night. Okay. <laughs> We, we, we want to rejoice in the morning, but we don't want to do anything in the night. Weeping may stay just for the night, but, but, but there's a promise that says morning, it, rejoicing is coming in the morning. But before you can get there, you have to be confident enough in God that even if it gets as dark as you think it is or it gets as worse as you think it can possibly get, you still have enough faith in God to say, listen, I'm not going to throw in the towel. You know, it, uh, it was Job. I, I remember Job said it this way. Job, when his wife said, won't you just curse God and die? Because you got to remember, Job was sick. He, he lost his kids. He lost his cattle. He lost all these things. And his wife came to him and she said, listen, dude, I mean, I know you love this God, dude, that you're talking about. But like all the stuff that you've been through, wouldn't it be easier for you to just curse God and die? Wouldn't that be so much easier? And Job said his famous words, he said, yet though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Because when I look back over my life, I have enough evidence to know that God has never failed me. It may have not watched this worked out the way that I think it should have worked out, but he didn't fail me. It, he didn't do it the way that I thought he should have done it, but he did something. Okay, okay. He, he, he may have not come through when I wanted him to, but he did at least show up at some point. 
And because that's the testimony that I have with God, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how bad it is, I'm going to trust God all the way through to the end of this thing. And I think that's where we see Christians begin to self-sabotage. They begin to get angry, saying, God, I, I, I need you to show up. And it seems like God is not moving. God, God I, I just got laid off. I, I got to provide for my family. And you may be unemployment for a little while, but in that little while, he's actually moving some stuff at another job and preparing a greater increase for you and, and moving some things out of the way. So the stresses at that other job, they're not going to be over here. But, but, but you're angry over there and talking about what God is not doing. But, but, but God is over here building something for you and orchestrating something. But because you're not patient enough or trusting enough, you don't realize that, that, that God is working this thing out. And before you know it, you'll show up and you'll walk into something that's greater. He's a good, good father. Can you imagine that if every morning you woke up, you declared over your life, I'm loved by a good, good father. I'm, I'm consumed by a good, good father. I, I don't know what the day holds, but I know who holds the day. I don't, I don't know what may come my way, but I know the Bible says he is the way. I, I don't know what I may have to face, but I know the Bible says that he'll raise up a standard against my enemies. So therefore, no matter what I have to endure, the God that I serve is worthy of my praise. And so the children of Israel, they were going throughout this promise and people are probably questioning like, God, y'all still worshiping this God and still talking about this God, but yet y'all are having to go through this place when he could have just took you the shortcut. So yeah because I'm growing, I'm developing. He's making things new, he's making things perfect, he's making me a healthy individual. And as I press into the next part, when we get anxious, anxiousness is, is the next part, and there's a scripture that I, I, I love, and I read it oftentimes when I'm in between seasons in my life, because how many of you guys know your life is sometimes consumed by seasons? Some seasons are great and some seasons are not so great. And then another great season comes and then you may have another great season, but then another challenging season. Yeah, so so y'all know what I'm talking about. So when I find myself in these seasons, I, I make sure that I, I meditate on this particular scripture, Philippians 4, uh, 6 and 7. It says this, it says, be careful for nothing, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made unto God, and who, uh, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep his heart in our minds through Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious. The children of Israel, listen, it could have took 40 days. It ended up taking 40 years. But the fact of the matter is this. They still got there. Okay. It didn't matter if they got there in 41 days. 13 years or 40 years, the fact remains that God's promise still came to pass. Can you imagine if you let that be the standard in your life as you go through life? You're not consumed by your own personal thoughts and ideas. You have your emotions in check. I, I watch this, and this is probably a, a guilty pleasure, but, but every Friday, now that I'm older, um, 
I, I sit at home and I watch Shark Tank. That's, 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 my, that's my show. I, I long to one day be a sh- not like a negative kind of shark, but like help people, like an angel investor or something like that. That's better than a shark. But I, I watch this show and you see people that are get up there and they've, they've worked their hardest. They, they, they've poured their heart and their soul into something that they're needing help to get over to the next level. And then they find themselves in a place where the next level, is, the fate is put in the hands of a group of people that's sitting up there to make a decision. Jackie, I don't think you would do well on Shark Tank. I think you'd get up there and get emotional and maybe shed a couple of tears. And the thing that I, the reason why I bring that up is because of this. It's oftentimes when the person gets there and they begin to show vulnerability that they're condemned the most. You got to get your emotions in check. You, 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 there's no crying in business. I've heard some of them say. And so then what happens, they began to develop. Some of them began to try to pull that emotion back in, that, that vulnerability back in, and, and then they become something that they're really not. How many of you know that God has called, he created us to be emotional creatures? Women, if you have a husband that's not afraid to cry in front of you, you got something that a lot of people are dying for. Because growing up, I remember as a kid, I was always told, boys don't cry. You fall down, they say, you need to get up, dust yourself off and keep going. And so what happened, it caused you to have to look at things of challenges in a way that wasn't healthy. You begin to find yourself in an emotional state and you're sad and you don't really know how to deal with these emotions. So you bottle them up. And when you bottle them up, you begin to become something that you wasn't designed to be. And then you're not able to get the things that you're designed to have. The Bible says, and this is the shortest verse in the Bible. So for the memory verse, and this is like an extra memory verse. uh, Jackie said, be still and know. And then uh, Leanne came up here and killed us with another message. I'm going to give you another one. So that way you got three of them to remember. Mine's shorter than both of theirs. Jesus wept. That's it. Memory verse of the week, Jesus wept. Okay, Pastor, why do I need to remember that? Because if God himself can be brought to such emotion, who are we to try to keep ours in check? If, 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 if it's recorded in the scripture that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, wept, then who are we to get to a place that we think we're so macho and we can handle everything ourselves? You have to allow yourself to be who God has called you to be. And believe it or not, uh, uh, tears are actually a, a transportation mechanism that God will take you from one place to another. How, how many of you guys have had a real good cry lately? After that cry, how did you feel? You, you, you feel the weight of the world lifted off your shoulders because the thing that's inside of you, you're not consumed by it anymore. You're not carrying it anymore. You, you poured your heart out. The Bible says, I called unto the Lord. I cried unto the Lord and he answered me. So why am I going to be quiet? Somebody might challenge me theologically and say, well, Pastor, when, when David was saying I cried unto the Lord, he wasn't talking about crying. I said, well, okay, if he wasn't talking about crying, then he could have simply said that, 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 that David shouted unto the Lord and he answered I believe he used the word he cried out because he was showing showing that there was a level of vulnerability that he showed. And when you show your vulnerabilities to God, God will show you who he is. When you're not not afraid to say, listen, God, I'm a mess. 
God, listen, it, you already know, but, but, but if I put it in my words, you, you would probably expel me from heaven. And he'll say, no, I, I'll roll out the red carpet for you because now I know that all your flaws, you've shown them to me and now I can work with you. The Bible says, I'd rather that you be hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I'll spill you out of my mouth. Isaiah chapter uh, 61 uh, and verse 3 says this as it talks about anger. I mean, sadness. It says, go to the next one for me, Jeff. It says, bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. So if you ever heard that song, Graves to Gardens, this is kind of the inspiration behind that song, if you didn't know. But, but the latter part, it says, in a garment of praise for the spirit of despair. Another translation says for the spirit of heaviness. He's going to give me a crown of beauty instead of ashes. He's going to give me the oil of joy instead of mourning. And he's going to give me a garment of praise to deal with the spirit of heaviness. So when you're going through something, if you want to transition your situation, if you want to fast forward to the next place that God is desiring for you to come to, don't stay in your sadness. Don't just stay there. It's good to get a good cry and get it all out. Trust me, I, I, I've been there. I've had some of my best soul cleansing cries. But there's something else that God requires after that, and that's to praise him. That's to praise him. It says he's given us the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. So when you feel consumed, he's given you something. And, and the thing that he's given you, I believe this, is just a glimpse back to the things that he's already done. I always say it this way. I say when you need God to do something, I dare you take a moment and look back and find something that he's already done. Because when you can look back over your life and see that God has already did some incredible things in your life, it causes you to look at the mountain that you're facing and overcome it because you know that God is with you. I'll leave you with this last story, and then I want us to just meditate for a few minutes. I took my kids to Washington, D.C. a couple years ago, and Kyle was my, my youngest. Kyle, he was, he was really young, and I remember taking him um, to, the, to the Washington Monument. So we get to the Washington Monument. This was when it was, the inside was like under construction, so you couldn't go up the little elevator shaft or whatever. And, and, and Kyle was a little kid, Scott, and he looked up. You know, you got the flags going around, and he's looking up at the top of this thing. He's like, man, that thing's tall. And he was amazed. And then he turned around, and he looked down the National Mall, and he saw the, the Lincoln Memorial, and so we go down to the other end of the reflection pool, and he looks, he's looking up at Abraham Lincoln in the chair, and he's like, man, he's tall. So then we go back to the steps, and I showed him the place that Dr. Martin Luther King stood when he did the I Have a Dream speech. It's a little plaque that's there. It's a little small engraving, and he, he stood there, and he looked back down at the Washington Monument. I was like, what's wrong? He's like, it doesn't look that big. I said, it's because it's because of perspective. And if you go on my Facebook page, I can't remember where it's at, but it was a long, long time ago. There's a picture where he's holding it 
the Washington Monument like this. I mean, yeah, the Washington Monument like this, but we're in a different place. So the thing that he was looking and staring at and thought was too big, now he was in a position where he appeared to hold it. So what are you saying, D? That's the way our problems are. When you go through a situation from the vantage point of not being confident, assured that God's got you, it's going to be almost like you're standing at the foot of the Washington Monument, looking up at depression, looking up at sadness, looking up at loneliness, looking up at all these things that you say, there's no way in the world I can overcome this stuff. Because I believe the children of Israel was probably the same way going through the wilderness. They even reached the Red Sea. They're like, man, there's no way in the world. But when you reassure yourself that God's got you, he'll start doing miracles. When, when you put your confidence in him, he'll start doing things. All week long, I was listening to my, one of my favorite songs by House Fires called Yes and Amen. He says, all your promises are yes and amen. He said, the, the, the songwriter says, I'll rest in your promises. Let's dissect that for a few minutes and we'll go, we'll go home. Well, I'll go to work, but you'll go home. I'll rest in your promises. You can take that and you can look at it and analyze it and say, even if he hasn't done it yet, even if the promise hasn't manifested yet, I'm still going to rest. I'm going to rest because I have a promise. I have a promise that says that he's never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I, 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 I have a promise that says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I have a promise that says that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I have a promise that says I'll, he'll never leave me nor forsake me, but he'll be with me always, even until the end. I have a promise that says, uh, even though the enemies may come up against me, he'll raise up a standard against them. I have a promise that says that he'll keep me in perfect peace if I keep my mind stayed on him. I have these promises. So I'm going to rest because I have these promises. I don't have to have evidence of the promises as long as I have the promise. If I have the promise, I don't need the manifestation yet. If you need the manifestation before you can believe it, you didn't trust in the promise. If I told you that I was going to give you something, if you kept hounding me about me giving it to you, you really didn't believe that I was going to do it. But, 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 but if you believed my promise, it didn't matter when I was going to do it. If I didn't give you a timetable, you just knew that at some point I was going to do what I promised you. That's the way God is. 
You have to rest in his promises, guys. The song says, my confidence is in your faithfulness. Because all of your promises are yes and amen. That means that we agree. You're going to do it. So no matter where you are on this pie chart, if you're sad, you came in and you were worried about some things, and you're trying to figure out, God, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I can't sleep at night. My body's racking with pain. It seems like day by day is getting worse. I dare you fight that thing with the garment of praise. I dare you wake up the next morning and say, you know what? God, I thank you that you gave me an opportunity to behold another day. On my desk at home, there's an obituary from a cousin of mine that passed away, and I still hear his mother's voice in my head when I got the phone call in the middle of the night that he was hit by a car and killed. A young guy that didn't live to see 40 years old. Matter of fact, our birthdays are like a day apart. And on Thanksgiving, if it be the Lord's will, I'll be turning 40 years old. So it doesn't matter what he does for me tomorrow because I'm grateful for what he did yesterday. Even if yesterday was horrible, I still got to experience it when other people didn't. So when you begin to look at things in the right perspective, you'll begin to realize that God's got you. God's got you. God's got you. You're angry because of some hurt that you experienced. And you're trying to get through this thing. And you think there's no way in the world you can move past it. I'll tell you this. I've been angry too. I've thought that I wouldn't be able to forgive some people. But God allowed me to relieve myself of that burden. So regardless, guys, God's got you. He's got you. And I promise you, as I close again with that other verse from Ancient, if you keep your mind stayed on him, he'll keep you in perfect peace. So for the next few minutes, this is what I want us to do. And I, I want to pray over us and pronounce a final blessing from this, this worship experience. I want you to do an internal evaluation. And I want, to, I want you to think about your, your spiritual healthiness or your emotional healthiness. Ask yourself, how emotionally healthy are you right now? And as you're doing this self-inventory, I want you to think about the promises that God has made you in those areas that you're struggling in. And I promise you what will happen is this. If you're open, if you're honest, if you're transparent with yourself, God will speak to you and he'll remind you that he's got you. Because he'll begin to remind you of the things that he's already done. And he'll give you a a boost of energy to face tomorrow because he has you. Those that are watching by way of live stream, he's got you. You have more questions than answers, but he's got you. He's got you. 
one of the things that I use to keep, to keep pushing me day to day, when I go through a bad day, because believe it or not, pastors leave to have them too. But when I find myself having one of those bad days, I say to myself, even this could be worse. Even this could be worse. And that in itself is a reminder and an indicator that God's got me because it's not as bad as it could be. Father, I thank you for our time together. I thank you for every heart that assembled here this morning. I pray for the health and well-being of our pastor, elite pastor, Pastor Kevin. I pray for those, God, around this country that are afflicted by this horrible disease called coronavirus. I pray for the family members that have lost loved ones and buried loved ones and are having to talk to their loved ones by way of technology because they can't go be close to them. I pray for our golden embers who some may feel like they're in isolation and feel alone because they don't have the day-to-day -day contact that they're used to. God, remind even them that you've got them as well. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, lean not to thy own understanding, but all thy ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct our path. Exodus chapter number 13, verse number 17, it says, You could have took them the short way, God, but you took them the long way because you said that if they face battle, they may turn around and go back to Egypt. So, God, you're working everything out for our good. So even though it doesn't look well now, we still know you're in charge because you're a good, good father. So, Father, just continue to love on us. Continue to give us the self-reassurance. Continue to give us the godly reassurance that though it may look bleak in some of our lives and some of our situations, you've got, you've got us, and we can rest in that. Now, God, my final prayer request is that as we leave out of this place, the one that came in struggling with sadness, that you'll give them beauty for ashes. You'll water the dry places in their lives. The one whose spirit is a little down, God, just remind them of some great things that you've done to lift their heads up. Father, we thank you for being who you are. Now, God, whatever I failed in asking, don't fail in giving because you're an amazing God and we're loved by you. Now, God, I surrender this service back into your hands. May the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit and the love of God rest and rule and abide over our lives henceforth and forevermore. And if you believe that God's got you, I dare you say amen, amen, and amen. Have an awesome week and be blessed.
Love you guys.